This is the Head on Collision Podcast. Hey guys, this is Clay. Just finished up podcast three. Very exciting stuff. Uh, TJ's here to tell you about what we're so hyped about. Yep, we went over minerals. We got a lot of good information out in this podcast. We got about 90 minutes of content for you guys. Listen to the end. There's a lot of great stuff. We gave you a little way to get in contact with us. Send us questions, things that you want us to address. But enjoy the podcast. Our training has been insane recently. Yeah. Like, I'm so sore. Yeah, no, that's a... I've been dragging a little bit, actually, this morning. Yeah, last glutes are Glutes are firing pretty hard. It feels good. But that was a really good leg workout we did yesterday. Yeah, when we were trying to record that stuff after the gym, I was in, like, a coma. I just wanted to sleep. We got a lot done, though. Yeah, no, we did a lot last night, which was pretty impressive. Um, what are you most excited about that we did last night? Who most excited? Probably the whole process is like as a whole. I mean, I hate to narrow it down to one thing, but just like it makes me excited to get stuff out there so people can listen to it. Right. Because obviously, it just getting started is first off, it's pretty exciting, but it almost has you anxious because you're just like, well, how many listeners, how many viewers are we going to have? How many people are going to listen in? So, yeah, that's probably like one of the best. One of the most exciting things for myself is like just the whole process, getting it all done, what we did last night, like little small things, but things that had to be done eventually. So yep. I feel like we're way ahead of the game now that we've got it all up and we published two of them last night too. So yeah, we got our first one up. We got our, got our in-between up too. So very excited about it. But yeah. How about you? Um, I would have to say my favorite part right now is getting that Instagram live. I feel like we're going to get a lot of exposure through Instagram and I'm going to be managing that account pretty closely. Yeah. And what's the, uh, what was the account name again? Head on collision podcast on Instagram. Gotcha. Head on collision podcast. Yep. So yep. We're, it's going to be that name across board, Facebook pages. We're looking into starting the group so people can be more interactive. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm liking the process and yeah. we're heading. For sure. Did you, uh, you got the Facebook page up and running too, right? Yep, but Perfect. we don't have any picture on there yet, so it's kind of like yeah, kind of a bare page for now. That's totally page, fine. But yet. it started. We'll get that baby up and rolling, especially this week. It's a little time when we have a little bit of time, just uh, in between our work and stuff like that. It'll be a piece of cake just to throw stuff up there, and um, that'll be something too we focus on is getting more of a set logo. 100%. Yeah, getting a set logo on it, which will be nice too. But yeah, for the most part, dude, everything's rolling really smooth. Um, we've, like I said, we've done a lot. We've, we've, I think we've gotten ahead of the game here, especially after the work last night. So just getting them episodes out to the people. Yep. That's what we're shooting on. But yeah, for the most part. So what about, talk about this whole week, I guess, what which, which training day did we do that got you the worst? Oh, probably that back day. Yeah, that back day My was back really good. <laughs> sore. Yeah, for sure. And it showed too. I think uh, towards the end of the workout there, like we were doing uh, the superset of uh, doing the pull downs, the close grip pull downs with uh, straight arm pull downs too. And uh, that was just ridiculous. I think we were both like at a point there on that set, set three, four. We were just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So. But the pump was awesome. I felt that was one of the one days, I think, I struggle a lot of the times with having 
a consistent pump throughout the whole workout, like really good muscle contraction. But I felt like that was one of the workouts that I had a good, like really great muscle contraction throughout the whole workout. So that was like, that's exactly what I try to shoot for and look for. Okay. Did you eat anything special or supplement anything special during that workout? Cause this would transition perfect into our topic about minerals today. Yeah. So actually like, to be honest, didn't do anything like out of the out of the ordinary and special i know so obviously since i'm doing my carb cycling program which has been helping a ton i think uh just in this last what week and a half two weeks i've dropped uh seven pounds on it right now but i think with the the thing that i've been struggling with the most of the time which i know we're going to try to get into a little bit today with the sodium and salt i've like since i've been going so low carb all the time like i've don't eat any like sodium because I don't when I cook my you know my meats and stuff I don't like consciously say you know I'm gonna throw a whole bunch of salt in there and a lot of it's too is that old misconception that like sodium is bad for you and like too much is bad for you so I could know when I to be honest with you when I when I cook my meat for my low carb days especially because most of the diet is low carb so when I'm doing my eating I hardly do any kind of sodium with on low carb days normally the only sodium I get is with the high carb days so I probably came in very very I guess uh lackadaisical and tired because I just that's how I've been especially on those low carb days dude it's just it's a major like it's a it's a downhill so but I feel pretty good today coming off a high carb day obviously we got a lot of a lot of good food in us yesterday but um yeah for the most part that was probably a big reasoning on why uh why my muscle contraction was was different has been different so right the other day we personally talked about uh sodium and we actually addressed your lack of sodium intake recently. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people in health and fitness eat. Their misconception around sodium is so crazy. Like all the, if you look into, get a recommendation from some doctors and stuff, they're like, stay under a thousand milligrams of sodium. That's insane. Sodium and potassium are essential for energy production. They're essential for muscle contraction. Literally your heart couldn't beat if we didn't have sodium in our body. So people don't understand. It plays a huge role. And just like all the minerals we're going to talk about, but sodium and potassium, they're needed for almost every process in the body, transporting glucose, transporting ATP, like every function in the body around muscle contraction, around energy, around um, one of the magnesium, something we're going to touch on around sleep and mood, like it's so beneficial. So like when people are eating, like you're eating a very clean diet most of the time, what percent of the time would you say you're eating a pretty clean diet? Probably during the week. Like what I, I try to keep a cheat meal literally to one meal out of the whole week. And my cheat meals, like they aren't like they aren't fast food. They're not, um, you know, candy. They're not sugar. Like sometimes that might be processed, but most of the time for my cheat meal, like, you know, I eat pizza. Like that's just what I do. So I'll eat a big pizza. It'll have quite a bit of meat on it, a lot of cheese. So even when it is like my cheat meal, it's like what I like to think of it's not the worst case scenario for a cheat meal because you do get a lot of benefits out of what you do eat. The worst part about it all is the bread. But so for basically for eating clean, like literally during the week, I would say up 90 to 95% of the week is like very, very clean. Like 90% is very clean. And then that other 10% might be the pizza or whatever else it may be. But, um, what, what I eat that's like processed is like hardly nothing anymore. Like I hardly anything that's processed, hardly any, any sugars at all. Like 
besides what comes naturally. So yeah, for the most part, everything's very, very clean. Yeah, that's great. You've kind of got to know me a little bit more. I don't, I don't do sugar. I don't really do cheat meals. Like if you guys follow my personal or my, I guess my training Instagram, like my cheat meals are just like massive amounts of meat, massive amounts of potato or like, and I love cooking. So I just cook a huge meal at home and like my cheat meal and my refeed meal is just like what everyone would consider healthy food. Just at volume. I'm a volume eater. Yeah, one of the biggest things, like, um, eventually we'll probably have quite a few listeners that compete in bodybuilding. That's what I do. I train a lot of people that compete. And a lot of people know about, like, their cheat meal. They notice, like, they feel so much bigger, fuller, stronger. They think it's just the carbs. Well, most people go to a burger and fries and actually get adequate sodium back in. Like, uh, sodium is another misunderstood one because they're like, oh, if you eat sodium, you're going to hold water retention. Well... You're going to hydrate the muscles how they're supposed to be, but your body regulates water so fast. So, like, the big thing about people trying to cut water before shows and stuff, for appearance, like, you don't want to taper. Tapering water is old school. People that still taper water need to read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Read the new studies because that just gives you a flat look, doesn't it? Yeah, flat, soft. So, when you're dehydrated, your muscles are flat and soft, which when we're competing in bodybuilding, we want a full, hard look, and we just try to minimize the water in the outer post tissue so like the fat but there's multiple places water stored in the body fat cells there's obviously liver there's everything but intermuscular that atp we that's where we want the fullness so what i do with a lot of my clients is they'll be pushing high amounts of water with uh, the couple days leading up to a show so like most shows are saturday most people weigh in on friday or checking on Friday. So um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like we're pushing two and a half, three gallons of water with minerals and everything in there. So I like to use like trace mineral drops, stuff like that. And then Friday night, so after, depends if we have to make a weight class. Making a weight class obviously changes some things. But for optimal look, uh, they drink that three gallon, around three gallons of water right up to that 10 p.m. And then we cut water and we carve up overnight. So when people wake up to use the bathroom, uh, we slowly introduce the carbs back in. So you have the massive amount of water, so your body's naturally flushing, like massively flushing. Like mm-hmm. you're using the bathroom every 25, 30 minutes. If you've yeah. ever drank three gallons of water, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. But you're doing that, so you're, um, your body's in an excretion mode. And then when you're eating carbs, your body needs the water and minerals left in your body to transport those back to what we were saying, how essential sodium and potassium are for transporting nutrients. Your body will not be able to take in carbs if you don't have sodium and potassium. So when people taper water and they're at a liter of water for four or five days leading up to a show and they're trying to low carbs and they wonder why they look like shit because their body can't uptake those nutrients into the muscles. So like I don't cut water and I make sure like I, Generally, I do like an electrolyte pack or something for loading too. So then the morning of, if we're still pushing carbs to get fuller, I'm also going to push sodium and potassium. Try not to drink an excessive amount of water, but make sure the water or liquid that I do give them is super rich in the minerals. Again, so essential for uh, performance, muscle contraction, pumps, 
heart health, uh, magnesium's huge for like blood pressure, so yeah. hypertension. There's tons and tons of studies, which uh, me and you both have a couple of Oregon State University studies pulled up. Yeah, that's a, that's actually one of the one of the better ones we found. Um, really great studies, really great school that publishes all this stuff on the, the stuff that we're going to talk about today through Oregon State. But um, I know a little back uh, before we get too far on sodium, I'll ask this last question. I'm sure you're talking about just in comparison with like how my training's been, not being able to maintain that contraction. Would you? Would you say that's a direct correlation to the lack of sodium that I'm having? Definitely. I would actually probably recommend you adding that pink Himalayan sea salt or the salt that yeah. we t- talked about. You yeah, added, for sure. Yeah. Like a natural salt into your pre- or intra-workout or pre-workout drink. Oh, wow. So yeah, I actually add that. sodium into my uh, intra-workout carb and my intra-workout aminos. Gotcha. To so, help with the muscle contraction. Yep. That and uptake. So like... That oxygen product that mm-hmm. we both use. Yep. You know, obviously, no affiliation with them yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Got to yeah. add that in there. I, I like a lot of stuff Peter's Labs does. Not everything, but yeah, a no, good that's amount a, of what they a, do. It's a definitely a good good little brand that I think uh, I think is kind of on the DL right now. It's it's very like I know a lot of hardcore people have used it and they love it, um, but it, it's not one of those things that beginners go go to because it's not as well known of a supplement company. But yeah, as far as Purist Labs, like I think they're I, I like their product a lot just from what I've felt off of it. But yeah, having something like that and then a little bit back, you were talking about like competition and stuff like that. When you get a competitor who's very um, like who is very flat and can't, um, you know, keep those contractions later in the show or like that's all like a a show is when you compete as contraction. Like that's all muscle contraction is like when you're posing, like it's holding those contractions for long amount of long periods of time. So if they're not adequately putting that sodium in their diet before that show or up to that point with the minerals that they need, sodium and potassium both, then that's when you get the cases where like, you know, at the beginning of the show, they might look decent, but then they really, really fall off, especially in the final posings if they even make it that far. So, um, so you would also say that's probably very, very, um, equipped, like comparable to like that low sodium intake. Yes. And definitely. Yep. So that's one thing that you see so commonly that everyone's cramping on stage. You see people cramp all the time and like, they're doing themselves a disservice not working with someone that understands electrolyte balances in the body. When people are manipulating water and trying to get that final crisp look around peak week, like it's all manipulation of minerals. Like that's what you're doing. Those minerals are gonna control the functions of the body, where water is stored, where it's not stored. And then I see a lot of people taking like heavy duty diuretics, which uh, I don't like a lot of them. I actually haven't even experimented or used a lot of like the pharmaceutical diuretics i just in my head it doesn't make sense that you can get some that are like potassium sparing and some that will spare like certain minerals potassium is going to be the biggest one for like uh, preventing cramping and stuff like that but overall i just i focus on sodium and potassium through uh, nutrients either that's putting sodium directly on food or uh, oxygen actually has the a uh, good amount of sodium, and then they have that uh, beetroot extract. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, almost forget what it's called. Betaine. Yep. Yep. And then they actually have the glycerol, which was banned from the Olympics for a couple years.
years because it increases white blood cell count so much. You can get more oxygen. It's really kind of like doping. Yeah, so like. you can get more, more oxygen in your bloodstream, so it increases endurance, it increases all that stuff. So in the weight room, obviously, that's good because we're utilizing all that oxygen by training and building up lactic acid. The more oxygen we have in the muscle, the farther we're going to be able to push those sets. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. No, that makes sense. And we're going to go in depth into sodium too and kind of talk about some dosages too. Um, kind of what Oregon State has for sure, because that's a definitely reputable place to go through. But then it's kind of some stuff on our that we found out on our own as well. Um, and a lot of the stuff, I mean, it, we want to um, obviously, if you're thinking out, if you're out there and thinking about competing, we definitely want to help you out with that because that's obviously for myself, that's a goal of mine in the future. Um, and for TJ, he's done it before and he, he's right up that alley right now. So, um, that'll be something we talk a lot about the, uh, dosages and then also for the normal, like just for everyday healthy living. Like that's a big thing too. Most of our listeners, you know, you might not want to, you might not want to compete. You might be listening to just to this for your healthy, you know, what should I be doing better to help my health? Or like if you are having any kind of issues, um, you know, with what's going on now, we want to get those healthy dosages out. So we'll hit on sodium here big time. Um, we also, one of the biggest conversations that me and you had, um, TJ was talking about magnesium and the benefits of it. I know, uh, with the biggest thing for magnesium for myself, um, comes with that, uh, you know, with the healthy blood, blood pressure. And then also with, you know, just normal anxiety and stress, like, um, especially with all the stuff I've got going on now, just in my life, like nothing crazy, but it's been busy all the time. Like starting a new job. We just moved houses, like getting married, um, uh, you know, other big things coming on the way here soon. So just been crazy. So I actually supplemented with magnesium there for a while, for a long while to kind of help with my stress and anxiety. And that was a big thing. That was the number one thing that I kind of found, uh, that, it, that it helped and benefit. And then some really great studies on how, like, that since, you know, for a long while, there's a direct correlation with the, the rise in, like, anxiety attacks and anxiety and stress overall compared to the lack of magnesium in our diets. And we were even looking up, like, some of the foods that you can get it in. And some of the, just the normal foods you'd have to eat a bunch of to even get the recommended daily dosages. So um, kind of go into magnesium and like what's the, I guess, start off with kind of a summary and what's the biggest benefits for you personally? Personally, I use it for sleep and then obviously use it doing a lot of weight training, uh, muscle soreness. So I've noticed it helped uh, relax muscle. I've increased recovery. Uh, my number one purpose that I use it for and most of my clients though is right before bed, I give them a them a good dose of a high absorbing form of magnesium. So we talked a little bit about forms personally. Yeah. Uh, magnesium oxide is your worst absorbed form. So magnesium that's oxide. Oxide. Perfect. Literally the worst absorbed form you can get. Uh, magnesium citrate is probably the most popular, but it's also the most popular laxative on the market. Uh, funny story, they actually give you liquid magnesium citrate in a bottle the day before colonoscopy. So before they're going to go dig around up there. They want to clear you out a little bit. What do you think the, the dosage on that is? Like, oh. <laughs> it has to be extreme. Because <laughs> that's the form I take. Uh, you said it was magnesium. What was the form? Citrate. Citrate. So that's what I take in the Natural Calm. That's what I take, you know, the product that I use. And it's, 
I have to take a lot like past the recommended dosage for it to even flow through me very well. So I can only imagine that they load that in there big time before doing that. So that's going to be pretty ridiculous. <laughs> You're probably looking at 2.5 to 3 grams yeah. easily. Just off the top of my head, I could be way off there. For sure, yeah, definitely. Just in my head and personal experiences, I mean, of magnesium glycinate, the form I like, or magnesium malate, both really, really good forms, I've taken 800, 1,000 milligrams in a day with no issues just because yeah. it absorbs so well. But magnesium citrate, if I did that, I would not leave my house. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So let's. So we talked about a little bit last time how, um, you know, sometimes, especially working in the supplement industry before, me and you both get that person who comes in and they're just like, I need magnesium, and they they don't they don't like necessarily if we try to get them something that has like the fancy citrate, whatever it be, um, they they're, they they kind of shy away from it in a sense, and they're just like, no, they just said magnesium because they don't they're just not educated. So we talked about that a little bit in the first episode, but kind of go through the different forms. Like you said obviously that there was one that you would stay away from completely. The citrate obviously is what I use and I've had pretty decent out of it, but it obviously works a lot differently from what the kind that you like. So kind of go through those forms and which kinds you want to you would you would recommend people to stay away from and if they are looking to supplement magnesium, it's the one that you would recommend for everyday people, whatever it may be. So Yep. So magnesium oxide is the bottom of the barrel. It has very little actual benefit. So it doesn't absorb nearly as well as a lot of the other forms. And then with citrate, at least your byproduct in citrate is what gives you the laxative effect. So people that are constipated and stuff, I actually would always give them like a $7 solution. Buy this big bottle of magnesium citrate, the byproduct of what doesn't absorb, uh, is virtually a laxative. So it's the part that doesn't absorb that gives you the laxative effect. Gotcha. And then what I personally recommend for people that are looking for the blood pressure benefits, looking for the stress benefits, looking for the sleep benefits, I'm going to push them towards a magnesium glycinate or potentially even a magnesium malate. I've used them both, like them both. I think malate's slightly more studied, but again, I've had a lot of people, I've worked with a lot of people, recommended both, got feedback on both. People like the glycinate just as much. So honestly, I'm not into having people waste money. I let I let them pick whichever one's the most affordable out of those two for where they go. So if they go to uh, where I used to work, the vitamin shop, there's so many different forms. There's actually a form of magnesium uh, that's a little different than what we're talking about. It's magnesium L-threonate, and it's uh, studied for brain health. It crosses the blood-brain barrier, and they have crazy studies on that. We'll actually probably talk about nootropics and brain health down the road, and that's where that'll come back in. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so for what, so when we are when we're talking about the benefits here coming up, we'll talk about kind of go over magnesium. The listeners should keep in mind that magnesium malate was most likely for supplementing. It's probably the best way to go for general health and for anything up, up and above. Correct. Yep, that or glycinate. I do feel like they're personally very comparable and even for quality. Perfect. Gotcha. So what are, uh, we talked a little bit about the benefits, but kind of go in depth of like what the biggest benefits I know, obviously like, uh, even for the metabolism of carbs and fats, uh, for energy production, uh, magnesium has a pretty good study on like doing stuff like that, but kind of go on some of the stuff that like, if you are deficient in magnesium, what are you going to feel like? What is it, what is it going to be for you? So, yep. So, uh, 
Fatigue is a huge one with a lot of these minerals. Uh, again, it's needed for all kinds of energy functions in the body. So uh, energy is generally very low. You get a lot of cramping. So people that have restless leg syndrome at night, and they talk about it so commonly that it's thrown out all the time. People oh, know yeah. what it is. Where you like you're laying in bed, it feels like pins and needles in your legs. You just need to move your legs, move your legs. Mm-hmm. That is 100 percent a magnesium deficiency. Wow. 100% of the time, supplementing a really affordable magnesium will completely get rid of any restless leg syndrome. Um, another huge thing that it's very, very needed for is the actual process of absorbing calcium into the bone. So there's a lot of bone diseases that could be not fixed, but helped by supplementing a good cal- good form of calcium with the magnesium. Calcium also needs D3 to absorb, which we'll talk about that on a different episode. Most people in the northern states are deficient. Definitely. Even here in Omaha, it's, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, is very people are very deficient in D3 big time. So I moved here from Minnesota. Huge issue. Yeah, for sure. But you're probably even getting more now than what you were back then, would you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah for I sure. Mean, summer... Just by communications back and forth to people that I still talk to in Minnesota, uh, Omaha started this summer off a little bit nicer. Well, almost a month before too. Oh wow! Because once yeah, I'm, that's that is true. Yep. So different, definitely different from where your location is too. Yeah, that's why most um, multivitamins, which again we got into a little bit in the first podcast, not a big fan of. But most people are like, "Oh, I take a multivitamin, I'm good." No, people don't understand that. Normally, you're only looking at about 200 IUs of D3 in a typical multivitamin, where during the winter months, it's recommended no less than 5,000 IUs of D3 to supplement. And just for reference, uh, most of the time, if you go in and you actually get blood work and you're deficient, uh, doctors will give you like 150,000 IUs once a week, if not even a little more than that, of D2, which is the synthetic form, the form that you can actually get too much of. Okay. So D3 is the natural occurring form, so you don't even have to worry about really overdoing it. I've taken high amounts. I've, I've experimented with quite a few things. Oh, yeah, for sure. So let's say, uh, obviously, we're going to have those couple people um, and uh, quite a lot of people that are, that are probably thinking right now, well, my magnesium is fine because I take a multivitamin. So... Go go touch on that a little bit because that's something that like a lot of people, they don't realize how low that stuff is in a multivitamin. So, kind of hit on that. What 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 is a normal multivitamin? Would you know off the top of your head what it offers for magnesium compared to what you need? Yeah, I've seen countless ones that have literally had seven milligrams compared to what's with what. Well, and we'll get into healthy dosages too. But what like what is it four hundred for a male? Like just just healthy male, like not even like a crazy athlete or anything just healthy male every day 400 milligrams yeah i would say and, right around 400 for men about 350 for women yeah and that's like and when you look at your multivitamin only getting seven <laughs> milligrams it doesn't even scratch the surface hardly so that's like that's huge and that's obviously the importance of of supplementing this into your diet too yeah obviously i gotta give a another shout out there are quite a bit they'll have around 100 milligrams but i've seen as low as three and up to like 120 yeah for sure it's still going to be different based on what multivitamin you take 
But still, I don't think 120 is sufficient for the way a lot of people eat, especially in America. Exactly, definitely. And we'll kind of hit up on the foods too, but that's a big thing. And, you know, just for reference for the rest of this, for the rest of the podcast too today, um, going into these minerals and, you know, deficiencies, like multivitamin, like a lot of the ways I like to explain it to people, especially like people who just, they don't know what the benefit of taking it. It's literally like, it's like the base of building a house. Like literally it's, it gives, if, if you don't have a sufficient base when you're trying to build a house, like you could be taking something extra, like all the extra supplements to help you get big or get, you know, skinny or weight loss pills, whatever it may be. And it could be falling right through if you don't have the essential nutrients, but at the same time to kind of back up on that too, like some of those multivitamins are so basic and so low in dosages that it is, like I said, barely scratching the surface in most of the areas that you need. So figuring out what you do need in and figuring out the actual dosages, it can be huge, a huge difference, especially for little problems that you might be having, um, just to kind of help you out, help your life run a little bit more smooth. But um, that's a big thing. I know one of the big things we talked about for magnesium too um, was hypertension and high blood pressure. Um, you were kind of telling me how that's a that's a that's a big. Uh, thing that people supplement the magnesium for so kind of go into that and like what is tell me how that affects how magnesium would affect hypertension because i don't even think about that when i think about magnesium yep so hypertension um we actually have the article pulled up where they explain it a little bit more but it just talks about the relationship to healthy magnesium levels and blood pressure and a fun fact as of now 2018 uh the most recent study says 82% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. 82%. So 82% are deficient. So that means only 18% get an adequate amount of magnesium in a standard American diet. Wow. And even if we when, we, when we go over the foods and the levels in the food, like just by looking at that, they've, that, that 18% that's not deficient has to be supplementing because like you'll, you'll be, everybody will be shocked when they hear like, where you can get the most amount of magnesium and how much you have to eat. Like we were talking before we actually started recording and we were like, I think what for, for just by eating rice, it's like four and a half, five cups to even get that. And like most people would not eat that much rice. So um, just the brown rice, but yeah, we'll go over that too. So 18%, that's crazy. For sure. Um, they probably have to be supplementing. Another high, um, high magnesium food is obviously like spinach which most people don't like. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't mind it at all. Yeah, it's something that's not for everybody for yeah, sure. But <laughs> I, So me personally, I actually cook my rice in my rice cooker and I throw two or three cups of raw spinach in there and then crack a bunch of my pink Himalayan sea salt. So with my carbs for that day, I have added magnesium from the spinach and I have added sodium and man, there is magnesium in like my pink Himalayan sea salt obviously lower amounts but I put that right in with my rice so I'm ready to go for the electrolytes that I need to absorb the actually utilize those carbs so that's how I like to do it I put it straight in there and then oh no did you read anything that you really want to mention on the magnesium yeah no I actually read something pretty good and this is you know just for you know for everybody I know hypertension is very, it can be very, very scary. I know a lot of uh, people who have suffered with it and a lot of people, especially working in the supplement industry, you always get, you know, whether it be younger or older people come in and they say, you know, my blood pressure is really high. I want to get it down. And that's, that's one of the, I guess, 
it's 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 definitely grounds to be scared so this is one of the big things that i read here especially from the study is they took 700 and or sorry excuse me 7731 men and women over a six year period and the the risk of developing hypertension in both men and women decreased as their magnesium levels increased so just by increasing normal magnesium levels, you can definitely decrease your chances of hypertension big time. So um, it's not gonna you know directly equivalent you know go straight into whether or not that's gonna be the case of getting rid of it or not. But it's definitely something that if you do early, you can definitely try to curb that and try to get rid of the chances of, of having to deal with that hypertension, which can be a big thing for a lot of people. So um, that's one thing. And then let's see a couple other articles. Uh, you know, if anybody does want to reference this stuff or look it up, it's oregonstate.edu. Um, if you just search the magnesium, you can show it all. But they have so many great, great things on, on uh, magnesium. And uh, anything else you want to hit on on magnesium for, uh, for now? I mean, we're going to go into the foods to kind of help with that stuff too. Uh, nope. Um, whenever we're ready, we'll switch over to potassium because um, – Obviously, they potassium still plays a huge role. We touched on it a little bit, but uh, we can go over where sodium and where potassium generally is stored in the cell membrane. Yeah. So potassium is more in the cell membrane, where sodium is kind of the outer layer, yep. like outer post-tissue fat. And it's really like that process is extremely cool. Back when I was going through my anatomy and physiology classes through uh, through the university here in town. Um, that was one of my favorite subjects to go over was was the transfer of potassium, magnesium, or potassium and uh, sodium in order to get that muscle contraction. It's just, it's so phenomenal. So we'll hit that up too, but just so people kind of validate what we've been saying. So here's what we were talking about on the foods, the servings and the foods you have to eat in order to get the adequate amount. So for brown rice, one cup of brown rice gets you 86 milligrams of, uh, of um, your magnesium. So... To get like, I guess, uh, you know, an exact answer, if you take 400 milligrams is what you should be eating in a day, um, of, or what you should be consuming in a day of magnesium, and you know, you divide that up by a cup, like 86 milligrams of magnesium and a cup of brown rice, you'd have to be eating four, over four and a half, four point six 4.6 cups of brown rice in a day just to get that amount. And like... That's one of the most abundant foods. They do have cereal listed here, but we're not going to talk about that because there's a lot of... Their health. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to talk too much about cereal, um, even though it is a little bit higher, but on a minuscule level. Um, but in looking at some other stuff, like fish, three ounces of fish has 82, so that would be quite a bit of fish to eat in a day as well. Um, every single day, keep in mind, to get up to your 400 milligrams. Spinach and almonds are listed up there at the top. But then they have little things like that are at the bottom of the list, like peanuts, stuff that people would consume every day, like um, peanuts, milk, banana. But that's such, such minimal. Like one medium banana is 32 milligrams of magnesium. You'd have to eat like two like bundles of bananas to even get close so um yeah just to just to kind of give everybody an idea like just by eating your natural food a lot of people say well i get plenty of magnesium because you know i do eat a lot of brown rice well that may be the case for a very 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 few few amounts of people but for most of us most of us out there especially for myself who i'm low carb all the time so i'm not eating the rice i'm not getting that little bit of extra stuff in my diet so that's uh, that could be definitely um, why I need to supplement a little bit more magnesium and why I am currently doing that. So just give a pretty good idea for all that stuff. But we're gonna let's talk about 
Um, obviously something you, you wanted to head into potassium, correct? Definitely. Yeah, so we'll get started on potassium. Kind of give us a rundown too. Um, obviously we talked about muscle contraction and how it's huge in muscle contraction. I guess I'll kind of start off with one of the biggest things that a lot of people know um, especially, you know, on the sports and athletic side of things, growing up through high school, whatever it may be, where your wherever your sports path may have taken you personally, um, one of the biggest things that everybody can, can recall from the earlier days is whenever you had a muscle cramp, whether it be on the football field, the basketball court, wherever it may be, people immediately, at least for me, wanted to get a banana or pickle juice, were the two biggest things. They were like, oh, I'm having a cramp, going to grab pickle juice. Now that's obviously. People can kind of associate that. That's for the potassium, and they say that cramping, potassium does help the cramping out too. But I think that's one of the best ways that people know of potassium is because whenever you have a cramp or any kind of that excess muscle contraction, in order to help smooth it out, the potassium is the way to supplement that and to get rid of that. So that's the biggest way that, like, I would say most of everybody knows of potassium and can hear hear it from now. That's something that I've always, uh, back before I was educated on it, um, that was one of the big things that I always knew potassium to be was for that muscle contraction to help with that. So um, kind of go into what potassium is first off and like how it kind of plays a role in, the, in your body too. Yep. So potassium is the one that's going to, the mineral that's going to basically hydrate the cells the most. So the actual cell membrane itself, it's where it's going to pull water, pull fluid into that part of the cell. So that's why it's one of the most important ones. So uh, magnesium and potassium are probably your two most important minerals, closely followed up by sodium. And then for women as they age, calcium creeps up in value. But one of the things you were saying about bananas, everyone emphasizes bananas as being such a great uh, form or uh, place to get the most potassium. Well, honestly, most people don't understand the phase of your banana's ripeness will play a huge role. So the just like the greener it is, it's higher in fiber and lower in sugar. And the riper it gets, the higher it goes on the glycemic index because it gets more sugar and less fiber. So there's a process of change through the ripeness of that. And uh, these stats show one medium banana, which they don't give us grams. I normally weigh out food like that by grams. But it says one medium banana is 422 milligrams of potassium, which might sound high, but you're probably looking between for a trained athlete between four and 6,000 milligrams. And something cool, you're big on the potato diet. Baked potato with skin, one medium. So that's what, what would you call a medium? Like four to six ounces? Um, so basically, yeah, I would actually say like, uh, for measurement wise, I wouldn't have an exact amount, but like a medium potato, I would say like the size of my fist would be a good measurement for it. Yes. Yeah. So that's probably right around maybe four ounces of that's potato. That's what I was thinking. And you're looking at 926 milligrams if you eat it with the skin, which I personally do. We talked about that. We did. I thought that was, I actually thought that was weird. Like I, I was like, oh man, I've never heard of somebody eat. Like I guess when you slice it up really thin, I could do that. But like I just think eating this, like eating a sweet potato with the skin on it, is just different. I don't know. I've never actually seen anybody do that. And you told me, and I was like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I don't peel any of my potatoes. I wash them good, and then I just however I want to cook them, chop them, bake them, whatever the case is. And then if my potato cools, people have literally caught me eating it like a piece of fruit. So I grab the cooked but cooled potato. Another cool thing that's way off topic for this, but they've showed that the more times you heat and cool a potato, that cooling process 
increases one of the forms of fiber, so it actually becomes lower on the glycemic index than wow. cooking. So heat and cooling. That cooling process um, increases um, one of the forms of fiber. Obviously, I'm not fresh because no, we've yeah. been looking up mm-hmm. minerals. No, you're fine. But yeah. So yeah, that's that's actually I've never even heard of that before. So as low as the GI index is already, the glycemic index of a potato or sweet potatoes, they're super low already, um, which is why they're one of the most beneficial carbohydrates. And we'll kind of go into that too um, here in the next couple episodes. But um, that's, so just by reheating it and letting it cool, you're saying that it lowers it even further. Yep, so wow. I don't know if anyone's um, actually tested their glucose levels uh, for quite a while. I had a glucose meter. I'm actually going to reinvest in one, and I'll post some uh, glucose blood work measurements, fasted stuff like that, and be putting out more information in a blog type format for the website and for people that really follow us closely. Of course. But um, I actually broke mine. Oh yeah. During the moving <laughs> process. Gotcha. But yeah, it's uh, something that I actually did because I didn't. I've never heard about it before. I tested it because I thought the person really wasn't that intelligent telling me. Um, that you can make a potato virtually have no carbs, no in- blood sugar impact on carbs. I'm like, that's silly. Obviously, you don't get down to zero ever. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you can massively impact uh, your glucose, uh, the increase of glucose by the cooling process. So wow, that's something you, I never, even, I have never even heard of. So that's a really fun fact for myself, actually. So. It'll be definitely something <laughs> I'm gonna have to look into for sure. But yeah, that'll be that's that's really good a little piece of information. And then like, yeah, so we got talking about bananas. Obviously, how much is in bananas, and it's a misconception. Um, so that's a big thing too. But let's go and like talk about. Well, you said you wanted to get into. Yep, yeah, we got something. Yep, I want to add one more thing. Yeah, of course. So when we we're talking about potassium specifically, um, there is a very toxic dose of potassium. So you want to be sparing, if you're sub, most people, if you talk about supplementing potassium, doctors get a little nervous because you can actually stop your Mess heart. that up. You can stop your heart. You can kill yourself with way overloading potassium. So like if you, I would never mess with a powder potassium supplement um, and they won't sell potassium in more than 99 milligrams per serving. So per pill. So if you go to supplement or buy potassium, you'll only ever see it at 99 milligrams. Gotcha. That's just a fact because they'll show, if you're reading on that, they have a lethal, pretty much a lethal dose of potassium. So it looks like oral dose greater than 18 grams taken at one time lead to severe hyperkalemia or however you pronounce that and then messes up kidney function it does a lot of things obviously 18 grams is pretty high so that means 18,000 milligrams I think I mentioned in the beginning a recommended dose for an athlete would probably be between four and six thousand so you'd have to more than double the high end of that to get into a kind of dangerous mark gotcha and to think of that also 1800 milligrams at a hundred 99 milligrams per pill like you'd have to take a lot to have any issues yeah for sure 18,000 divided by 100 180 uh, tablets would that be I believe so pretty close to yeah hey basic math is not 
our strong suit. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> We're wrapped up in the study too. But yeah, no, I'm like kind of reading on this stuff too on a couple things as well um, about potassium. And definitely that's something too, like we said, Oregon State, something that you can definitely go on if you're def- concerned about it. Um, but it looks like what the adequate intake for for even adolescents into, into adults um, for males and females is 4,700 milligrams. So it would be a, like you would have to intentionally overdose for lack of a better term in potassium like to in 99 milligrams per per capsule that's a lot of potassium pills to even get to that area so when you're looking at that stuff that's that's pretty crazy and even when we look at the amount of milligrams that like we were talking earlier like how many bananas you'd have to eat to get the magnesium enough of magnesium well if you ate that many bananas to get the magnesium you're probably overdoing it on your potassium and that could be very, very lethal for you too. So, um, cause that, when you look at how much is in each of them, that's, that's, a, I mean, it's a good enough amount to get you up to that, those numbers. So that dose to have an issue though, would have to be dosed at one time. Yeah. So, so it would yeah. not be over the period. Yeah. So of, if you split it up between a day, that's why nobody ever hears about having any issues with it. Like nobody's going to be able to sit down and eat. 18,000 plus milligrams of food in one meal in a short window to get any issues from that it has to be like knocked down all at once so like a spoonful of potassium powder like literally spoonfuls so yeah so it would have to be intentional totally intentional (laughs) so you could not accidentally overdose in potassium but that is really that's a really cool little area to like hit on is you know the amount that is dangerous and that's something that obviously comes with a little bit of everything but and then another thing that's really high in potassium for food-wise, uh, dried plums, stuff like that. Uh, raisins are pretty high. Uh, both of those options are higher than bananas. Actually, most of these options are higher than bananas. Um, yeah, they are actually. Beans, like Bananas are on the lower end, and just people don't understand that. Really, a banana is pretty much equivalent to two ounces of almonds. So two servings of almonds, like yeah, that's that's pretty ridiculous. I, Definitely a misconception, big time. Um, some of the uh, some of the disease preventions that it, the the claims are for potassium, especially through this study, you know, uh, studies of the decrease um, risk in stroke, which is which is big. They say you know, um, I believe what it said was sixty two percent by increasing their their um, excuse me increasing their potassium intake by increasing their potassium intake they can get rid of that uh, chance for stroke by quite a bit um, is what they found and then uh, definitely benefits in osteoporosis um, uh, prevention of kidney stones as well um, by just by taking that so we talk about little things that can benefit in everyday life like those are things that added in with everything else that you can be doing is just going to help your health so um, just with little things especially I know a lot of people who struggle with the kidney stones especially in the in in you know our area of working out hardcore workouts stuff like that you know they struggle with that stuff that can be something that they can definitely help them with this could actually be a cool way to transfer into one of our other categories which is calcium so the main issue in like kidney stones and stuff like that is unutilized calcium so when we talked another reason i put calcium on the list is because there's big misconceptions there's studies that were kind of coming out saying calcium could be potentially dangerous for you 
And that's if you supplement a calcium at a recommended or higher dose and you don't have the minerals needed for it to absorb into the bone. So calcium needs magnesium, D3, potassium, a lot of things that actually bring the calcium into the bone where that's why we take any calcium supplement as bone health. So when it does when you supplement a, a bad form of calcium and it doesn't have what it needs to get out of the bloodstream and into the bone, you're gonna have the issues with the kidney problems, stuff like that, is because it's the calcium getting stuck somewhere it's not supposed to be. Yeah, definitely. That's something uh a lot of people, when they think about calcium, they think bones and teeth, the biggest thing. But basically what you're saying is if you don't have those other nutrients to help shuttle that calcium into the bones and into the areas where you need them, then that's where you have big problems with your kidneys, right? Or digesting in general. It's hard for your body to digest. So when you talk about kidneys, liver, whatever it may go through, then that's going to be an issue. It's hard on that, but then also with that excess buildup. Um, I know that was especially going through high school and stuff like that, high school sports. That was one of the big things they said was if you're having kidney stones, especially young, the amount of calcium you're getting is way too much was one of the big things that I was always kind of taught. So you can kind of hit up on that a little bit. But essentially um, what you're saying is, you know, it does do what what everybody knows it to with the bones and the teeth and all that jazz. But without the proper other things to help shuttle it into the system, you're basically getting no use out of it, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what kind of doses did you find for calcium in that study? I know um, 1,200 milligrams would be very common for supplementing, but I also know you cannot take that in all at once. Calcium is pretty hard to absorb either way, whether you have the minerals it's needed or not. So I like to see it split up between three and maybe even four servings a day. Yeah, for sure. And what they have here listed for especially, you know, if we're looking at, you know, our age range to up to 50 years old, anywhere from 19 to 15 adults, um, it says for both male and female, like 2,500 is what they recommend um, for their tolerable um, intake for calcium. So you're looking at that that anywhere from, you know, 51 years of age or older, 2,000, and even in adolescence, 14 to 18, 3,000 is what they recommend. So it seems like as you're developing a higher intake, and then once you kind of plane out around that 19, 20, 21 year old, um, that's when you can look at kind of coasting out. And then really the only time you need to worry about lowering it from that 2,500 is when you hit that age of 51 years old and you're, you're on the decline um, and, you know, bump it, take it down a little bit to 2000. So that's kind of what they have here for the, um, just for the basic levels of supplementation for what kind of the age groups. But then they have like their list of food sources that has the calcium in it. Um, and the top of the list, which I for sure won't be partaking in, and I know a lot of our listeners won't, is tofu. (laughs) So um, (laughs) that is the top of the list followed by yogurt. Um, But like I said before, yogurt isn't something I normally consume. And if I do consume it, it's very, very, very sparingly. So that's something I won't be getting a lot of. Probably the thing that I do get the the most out of um, on the list for myself personally is beans. Uh, And that's just white beans. So, um, but for what they have for beans, it's like on the list. They've got a couple different kind of beans that have a little bit, but not nearly enough to to even get me close to that 2,500. So supplementing the, the calcium, it's definitely something that, um, everybody needs to look into because unless you're eating the tofu every day, which has a lot of calcium, 434 milligrams, like unless you're eating tofu, uh, you know, half a cup of tofu, 
four to five times a day, then you definitely need to be considering supplementing because um, everything else that you can get it in is very, very low. Yeah, and if you're doing that, I actually strongly recommend not using tofu. So we'll get into the soy issues Yes, soy is a huge podcast that we're going to have because that's very, like, so so many problems. Yeah, so many problems, so many misconceptions. Uh, You'll hear a lot of popular, like, multi-level marketing companies. They'll use soy and they'll try to find studies that back it up. Um, Very, very big issues with hormone regulation balance. So the phytoestrogens and soy proteins or uh, soybean oils. A big thing we'll also talk about is uh, oils for digestion. So like avoiding certain vegetable oils, canola oil, soybean oil, and a lot of those reasons will be uh, discussed in a later podcast. Uh, One thing I don't see on this food chart is almond milk. So I actually like to supplement almond milk over uh, normal uh, pasteurized milk from the store because you're that pasteurizing process to store it uh, kills off a lot of the enzymes essential for digesting it. So most people have uh, a lactose issue based on the milk itself doesn't have the um, minerals or the enzymes it's used to having. Gotcha. And before we kind of continue, we'll keep talking about the almond milk too because that's something I want to hear about big time. Um, I did kind of misspeak earlier. Uh, the The normal for the males range is that 1,000 milligrams, like you said earlier. Um, I read 2,500, but that's actually the the work as far as fight or sorry as high as you can go without it being bad for you past that would be a little bit dangerous so i'm just going to backtrack 2500 isn't where you should be in a day it should be right around that thousand mark for that you know adolescent even adult range so but it kind of follows the same trend so on that did it also say and from my understanding as women age their need for supplementing it goes up compared to any other age range or any other like male or female like women need it a lot more as they age Yes, and that's actually, yep, that's what I see right here on this chart too. Um, the last chart didn't have it broken up in a male and female, but on this one where it sells the, you know, the, the daily recommended, then this is actually um, kind of what it has for, for females. They jump up after that, you know, anywhere from 50 to 51, 70 plus, they actually jump up 200 milligrams from 1,000 to, to uh, 1,200. So as women age, they, get, they have to jump up quite a bit. And also another thing that I'm seeing here, is uh, any kind of breastfeeding, um, they actually, in that age group, they'll say the same, but any kind of early early pregnancies or early breastfeeding, they actually say they should jump up quite a bit um, from where they're at. So um, kind of a cool little bit there. But yeah, in uh, females, as they do age, it is looks like, um, according to the chart here, that they should be jumping up in their, uh, in their intake of calcium. So definitely probably has a lot to do with uh, a lot of uh, bone issues and health problems such as osteoporosis and stuff like that because I know the increased risk of that is a lot higher for uh, for women than it is for men especially as they age yeah 100% so that was the biggest thing when you think of supplementing a calcium you mainly think of uh, aging women which makes sense because they're the ones that have the most issues with not having uh, proper bone density and stuff like that there's actually, as I'm looking for one thing, there was a cool study that I listened to on another podcast. Um, it was actually on the Ben Greenfield podcast. He had somebody on there about bone density and uh, osteo, osteoblast, if you've heard mm-hmm. of yep. that. So um, there's actually machines out there where they're 
this guy invented it to increase bone density. So they actually load you with a machine and put massive force on your bones. And they've done it with like really, really aging women, like in their 70s and their 80s. And they load them with thousands of pounds through this machine that keeps them safe. Mm -hmm. And it, they've seen huge increases in bone density. But so, obviously that process of the osteoblast needs calcium. It needs all these minerals we're talking about definitely. to actually happen. <clears throat> definitely. And another thing too that I've heard, especially since we're on the, the, the kind of the subject of osteoporosis, by doing um, weight training, by loading those, like, those bones, a lot of people shy away from it. But there's a lot of studies on it, how it actually helps like the number one way to help increase bone density is by weight training because anytime you load it or i guess for lack of a better term compress it with weight um, and put that stress on that area especially with like squats i know you know back squats especially at a younger age for women some a way that they can shoot their bone density up big time especially in younger uh younger adults too whether it be teenage years or even even earlier but that's a big thing uh, to help prevent osteoporosis and then just by supplementing with calcium <clears throat> getting an adequate amount of calcium reduces the um the risk of osteoporosis by so much i've slacked on supplementing any kind of calcium for a while but i'm also a younger male i do drink more of the almond milk and i do have ways where i get a little more calcium in than some people but i'm actually looking up if you want to take over for a second i'm trying to pull up uh, the actual dose in your common almond milks for calcium because I know it's higher than your typical like milk from cows yeah for sure so we have a little article about like how kidney stones how it affects with kidney stones um, <clears throat> uh, it's a, and just for a basic stat here six percent of women and 15 percent of men have kidney stones you know at least once during their lifetime and a lot of times when you have them once it happens a lot more than that, and they can be a very painful thing, and not just it's it's hard to get through. Um, so it says, you know, most of them are are composed of that you know, calcium oxalate or the calcium phosphate. Um, so high levels of calcium in the urine are, do have a lot higher risk of producing kidney stones. And when we talked about, you know, potassium and a couple other things earlier, we did talk about as long as you're supplementing things to help shuttle that calcium then that can be huge um, for just getting rid of that little bit. So just for you know the little bit on kidney stones, there is definitely a way to get rid of it. But then also um, just be aware that by supplementing a lot of calcium, if you're supplementing an inadequate amount or you're not doing it right um, with the other things you need, you will probably see a little bit of risk of having kidney stones. And I know kidney stones, a lot of the times, what, from what I've heard, and you can kind of confirm this because um, I'm not sure how what the accuracy on it is, but I've heard a lot of it can be um, genetic-based. So a lot of people who have kidney stones, it kind of runs in the family per se. Um, so you can kind of confirm that, TJ. I don't know if that's correct or not, but I know you know, a lot of the times to figure out if, you're, if you do have a lot of kidney stones, a lot of the times by just seeing if your family has had it in the past can be a pretty good precursor to it. Yep, so I'm not certain on that but yeah it, for sure. it sounds familiar it makes sense to me so and i was thinking about yeah that would be something that we can definitely look into as well but that's something i've kind of heard just you know here and there um is that that could be something too but then also calcium it talks about a little bit about hypertensive uh, disorders in pregnancy so i know calcium is extremely important during pregnancy uh, you know as well 
Um, and there's a, a big article on, on that, you know, that Oregon State publishes for us too that we're kind of here on our site looking at. Um, so if anybody would like to look more into that stuff, and we'll have a whole, we should, most likely we're going to have a whole podcast on pregnancy and supplementing and just basic things during workouts and all that stuff too. So we will have a pregnancy one because that's a lot, thing that a lot, a lot of people mess up or they don't do correctly. And there's been so many more new studies that pop out that are, could definitely help you during your pregnancy, you know, to be healthier and to also get your weight training and get your supplementation in. So that's uh, definitely um, something that we're going to do a whole podcast on. For sure. Yeah, that's very needed. So it looks like it's... I pulled up another study from UCLA about the comparing almond milk and uh, conventional cow milk. Um, it's not giving me an actual dosage-wise... But for percentage of their recommended daily value, which is almost always wrong, so I don't recommend anyone going off those percents. But if cow milk is hypothetically at 30% of your daily recommended dose for an 8-ounce cup, uh, almond milk's calcium is at 45%. So it looks like it's quite a bit up from your conventional cow milk, and they both have the same amount of D3 for the recommended dosage. And this one's a very scientific paper, so I would have to dig into it a little longer than just trying to analyze it as we're on this podcast. But that's what I found. It's what does that come out to? Uh, one third more calcium per eight ounce cup. Yeah, right around amount. there. Yep, yep, definitely. And then, yeah, that's a that's a pretty interesting little bit there, and that'll be something that we, yeah we can definitely dive into here soon if we need to. Um, but. Uh, one of the things I kind of found here on the Oregon State page, too, I know a lot of people are concerned with calcium and the increased rate for prostate cancer because that's been around for a little bit. And that is something that you should be concerned about, too, and definitely do some research on. Um, it does say the increase in calcium does correlate, too, um, the, from what I've just broadly read throughout this. Um, it is, you know, definitely a precursor to prostate cancer by increasing that, especially past the recommended amount. So that's another reason why we say... Um, you know, be very careful with what you are consuming and how you are supplementing it as well. But um, it compared to what what the studies have shown is, especially men who drink whole milk, um, is a huge one. And I'm not positive what the difference between the whole milk and the skim uh, for calcium content is, but it says literally that's like a huge difference. Is the men who drink whole milk at a young age. Um, and it, you know, through their adolescence and then through, through their, you know, twenties and thirties compared to men who drink skim milk literally changes that from what the studies have shown changes the chances of getting prostate cancer. So I'm not sure if there's a giant gap in the calcium. I'd assume there'd be a little bit, but that's something obviously to look into a little bit. Cause I know that is kind of a heavily talked about subject right now is calcium and the increase of prostate cancer. So, and that's the whole study page on that whole article on that in the Oregon state. We're not going to jump into that too much, but just kind of a cool thing I saw when I was scrolling through there. But, um, I know we also, one of the things we want to hit on too, we kind of hit on it earlier. Um, if you're ready to jump on here, um, sodium was the biggest thing. And I think that's a good one to end on too, because like I said, my little, uh, experience with like what we were talking about for myself especially with the muscle contraction. It's definitely something I'm going to have to look more into and get better at. So I think a lot of our listeners are going to definitely be interested in hearing um, 
everything that we have to have on sodium here. So go ahead and start off. I know we talked about muscle contraction and all that stuff, but just what does sodium, what does sodium do for us? We think about salt obviously is the big one, but what does it actually do for us? Yep. So it, this little breakdown, its function is uh, sodium, particular, it's a particular ion that uh, basically brings fluid into like it moves fluid into spots where it's supposed to be. So it's needed to transport all, most of the other minerals, most ATP, most everything like that. Um, one thing that it lists in here that most people would not think about is joint health. So you need sodium for the synovial fluid in your joints. Mm -hmm. So if you're depleted in sodium, you're going to have joint aching and stiffness. So um, joint pain could potentially be one more side effect of not having enough sodium. And then obviously it's just everything that I see about sodium is hydration of the muscle and transporting of nutrients. It's needed in pretty much most functions of the body. It needs sodium in some capacity to transport or uptake or do whatever it's going to do with specific nutrients. Um, let's see, deficiencies. Um, so there's a couple of ways to measure this, increased fluid retention. And then people that are scared of fluid retention or water retention based on appearance, your body will regulate the water, the water stored in outer post tissue very, very quickly. So within a day or so, you uh, you should be able to get rid of any like bloating from water retention and it would just become a healthy level as long as you keep your sodium levels consistent. Gotcha. That's the biggest thing that I recommend with people is uh, consistent supplementing or use sure. of. So if somebody sodium. who's not used to, I guess, the normal dosages of what sodium should be, and so kind of like myself in a, in a sense. So when I was doing, you know, very low sodium on my on my low carb days, like not hardly consuming any, and then I jumped to a, a high carb day and eat a whole bunch of sodium, that would be when I saw, you know, a lot of a lot of bloating. So that's kind of what you're kind of what you're saying there with uh, people who aren't consistent with it, but try to jump it up really quick. And that, then they'll see that water retention and a lot of uh, uncomfortable bloating, stuff like that. Correct? Yep, definitely. So but it'll only be for a short period of time. Exactly. So you'll see the better muscle contractions. You'll see the energy improvement. Um, quick side note. Uh, one of the big things from sodium deficiencies, uh, hypotremia, however you would pronounce that. I don't know if you have it pulled up. But basically the symptoms of that are headaches, nausea, vomiting, muscle cramps, fatigue, all things that sodium plays a huge role in so things that can increase those are things like ibuprofen advil moltrin will increase your risk of the word i can't pronounce yeah but that fine. will lead to headaches muscle cramping so taking too much ibuprofen advil like there's obviously hundreds of reasons why we don't recommend it probably in most cases because they're horrible for like liver toxicity and yeah. all kinds of stuff. But another one is going to lead to issues with sodium. So it must dehydrate you to a point where you're getting the headaches, you're getting the nausea, you're getting the muscle cramps. And um, on here, it directly correlates that sodium to not having enough sodium to this issue. Hyponatremia, Hypo correct. Yep, exactly. perfect. Yep, hyponatremia. But yeah, um, so 
one of the big things that we got talking about earlier this week too was blood pressure. So, and how big of a misconception that is. So let's jump into that. So one of the big things everybody talks about is when you have high blood pressure, get rid of sodium, like lower your sodium intake. Now, why do we not want to do that? Yeah, that's a fun one. I just told you this other day and it looked like it caught you off guard a little bit. Yeah, it did because like, that's all I've ever heard. And yeah. you, you go to the doctor and they, doctors recommend this. So tell, tell everybody why, because you were like, you were telling me. Why should we not lower our sodium intake even if we do have high blood pressure? Yep, so the early studies correlated. They just lowered sodium and they did see blood pressure go down. So from then on, everyone was recommending lower sodium. Sodium is a cause of high blood pressure. That is definitely not the case. The reason your blood pressure goes down when you lower sodium to the under like a gram or 1500 like they recommend, which is on the really low side, you actually dehydrate cells, you dehydrate yourself and dehydration will lower blood pressure. So basically, they're lowering your blood pressure by chronically dehydrating you. And dehydration is gonna cause all the kidney issues, all the um, down the road health issues that doesn't, they'll obviously matter a lot, but their recommendation of lowering sodium is not a benefit to actual health because it lowers, it slightly lowers blood pressure by causing another major deficit in hydration and what your water intake is, so in your absorption. So um, I guess in a sense, you talk about if you are in a hypertensive state and you're doing several things for it, and one of the recommendations is the lower sodium, like if you're already doing a lot of things for it and the lowering sodium is maybe going to affect it minute, like by a minuscule amount, like not a, not a major amount. Um, then it would be better to actually, you know, keep your sodium intake at a normal level and consistency too. We talked about a little bit of consistency and then that'll obviously keep you hydrated because we did touch a little bit on like the importance of getting that water and, you know, being hydrated for your muscles and for just everything in general, like you have to be hydrated. So, and that water has to absorb. If not, we talked about, you know, basically like a diuretic, how it's constantly getting rid of it and how we don't like diuretics per se. Um, and it, 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 you know, for first off, for you know, people who are competing stuff like that, it does a whole thing. But if, for if people living their everyday lives, like it would be a shame for you to cut that out and then have something else go wrong with your system if you're already worried, if you're already anxious about being in a hypertensive state. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is cause more health issues because you were dehydrated or because you can't absorb that amount of water. So that's definitely something that yeah, it did it did catch me off guard because. Um, high blood pressure was something I struggled with there for a while, just with, <clears throat> with as much stress as I was under, um, was definitely a concern. Um, and then that was, like I said, I went to the doctor and they said, cut your sodium content down. And that's why I've been in this kind of groove of low sodium all of a sudden, especially on my low carb days. So that's something that definitely I've started and will continue supplementing more sodium, especially in my lower carb days. So yeah, that's something that definitely a huge, huge misconception for several people. Um, and by no means are we telling you don't listen to your doctor. <laughs> we are not saying that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, be smart about it. And yeah, I like to have uh, anyone I work with ask their doctor good questions. Because the best thing you can do is go in with information and at least get their opinion on it. So if you ask something and they don't have an answer for you or they're not willing to find it for you, 
that's going to be an issue. I would look into a different doctor, just personally. Another thing is for the blood pressure, that goes right back to what we were talking about, magnesium and potassium. Instead of lowering sodium, increase the other minerals that you're deficient in. And then um, this can be another topic as well, but things like CoQ10, ubiquinol form, that's some form that actually absorbs. Amazing for heart health. Most people supplement later yeah. in life. Uh, garlic, so garlic pills and garlic extract, probably one of the best things, best cheap things you can supplement for blood pressure, immune health. If you look in the garlic, pull up like Kyolic is a big brand. They've done most of the studies, funded most of the studies. Yeah. But garlic's super, super proven for blood pressure, immune health, a lot of things like that. So I would take away blood pressure issues. I would recommend not looking into cutting sodium right away. I would look into increasing magnesium, increasing potassium, and potentially adding in something like a garlic. Exactly. So maybe, you know, just to sum, sum it all up for especially the blood pressure aspect, last resort, like a very last resort is, you know, and even then be be careful, but a very last resort should be cutting sodium down because like we said, the other problems that it can cause. So that's a big one, but we kind of talked about like what it's good for, what it does to, um, what are the dosages? What should normal, what should an everyday person be dosing their sodium at? I took a note on that, and I think I'm send it to you as well. The studies that I seen on it were gonna be for sodium. It was uh, right around that uh, 2,500 to 3,000 milligrams for untrained athletes, and higher for trained athletes. So between four and six thousand for trained athletes. Perfect. So then, here's a big thing too that I want to kind of touch on just a little bit, kind of get it in there. Um, the difference between sodium and salt. Yep. So, uh, not 100% of salt is not sodium. Exactly. Sodium is one component of it, and salt will have other minerals in it too. So, if you get a good salt like the Himalayan salt that I use, it will have sodium, it will have potassium, it will have magnesium, it will have a lot of your minerals. So, um, a good thing to do is maybe get a trace minerals drop to add to water, which will help alkalize it anyway. And then um, adding a good quality salt to your food. One thing uh, during carb cycling like you were talking about, I make sure all my clients heavily salt their food with quality salt during low and zero carb days for muscle contraction energy. You will run into big issues if you go low carb without any kind of increase in sodium to make up for the lack of energy that you'd be getting from the carbohydrates themselves. Definitely. And because we have... The reason why I kind of hit on that is because we, the what we did look up through the Oregon State, uh, um, their study, it has sodium in it and then it has salt in two different categories, and I think that's a very important thing to hit on because obviously they separate it. So it's one of the things where we don't want to be like, well, you know, in this certain kind of food, you're getting 283 milligrams of sodium when you're getting 707 milligrams of salt because it can be it's two completely different things. Um, obviously sodium, um, you know, on a chemistry standpoint is, you know, NA on periodic table, blah, blah, blah. But sodium and salt make up to be sodium chloride. So it's two different chem are two different, uh, elements that create the actual salt. But then with salt, it does have those excess minerals like you were talking about and all that other stuff as well. So one of the big things when we're talking about sodium, we are talking about sodium, not salt. So this is just the benefits of sodium. But as we can see here, kind of like in the food charts too, um, one of the big things that you can get sodium out of 
um, is, you know, a lot of the cheese actually has a pretty high amount. Fish um, has quite a bit amount I'm seeing here, but one of the big ones too, um, sunflower seeds is ridiculous in the amount of sodium that you have in it. Now it is does have a bunch of salt too, um, but the dry roasted sunflower seeds, 1,703 milligrams of um, of sodium, and that's per one ounce. Yeah, that's good. that's insane. That's a lot. And what? And so, one more time, what did you say for healthy male? Let's just start with healthy male. What did you say the? Uh, untrained, probably right around the three thousand. Sure. So, literally two ounces of sunflower seeds would get you there. <laughs> so that is that is that is a definitely a high amount. So that's the minimum because like trained athletes can go way way higher, and a lot sure. of powerlifters. It's kind of a for powerlifters. It's a known thing. But for outside people, they don't know that uh, powerlifters sodium load on meat days. So they actually, ooh, they actually load sodium pretty heavily on meat days for pure strength benefits. So that's one cool thing. Like Obviously, with this, we're talking pretty much minimum amounts that you want throughout the day. To sure. So we talked it so just a little bit too because I'm reading on this a little bit of hy the hypertension stuff that they have here in the study. Um, one of the things just to get down on a basic like aspect of what hypertension is. So hypertension is an increase of high blood pressure, something where they qualify blood pressure being unsafe. So basically, you know, for anybody who's not really you know I guess well versed in that area. Um, and I'm not the best first either, but just kind of a basic rundown of it all. Um, so basically, what they do is they measure um, how much pressure on the on the walls of your veins and your arteries that your blood how much how hard your heart is pumping so how much pressure that is on the the walls of your veins and your arteries make up what your blood pressure is so when we talk about staying hydrated with sodium a lot of the reasons why um the water the increase in the water being pulled into your veins and your arteries like it should be normally on a normal day basis the more fluid you pull into that creates a higher amount of pressure which can create your blood pressure to be higher. So it's important to understand that when you do get rid of sodium, it does not pull as much water into your system, which means you're less hydrated, but that's how you, your blood pressure goes lower. So for all the other things that's happening inside of your, inside of your, your, your veins and your arteries, that's why we stress the last thing you want to cut is your water. Because if you already have other problems that's keeping you a higher blood pressure, you know, keeping that pressure super, super high on the walls of the arteries and veins, the last thing we want to do is get rid of the water that's supposed to be in there already. So just to give you a kind of a basic idea about how that actually works and happens, because um, what I'm reading here in the Oregon State study, they go pretty in-depth <laughs> into that stuff. So just to give everybody just a very basic, broad understanding of it all, uh, you know, anatomy and physiology 101-ish. So, <laughs> but to give you a good idea, but one of the big things, obviously, the blood pressure is probably the biggest thing that we can hit on sodium as far as, you know, um, big, the biggest misconception. But then muscle contraction too, we talked a lot about earlier. Um, so we won't go into that too in depth now. But um, with muscle contraction, um, you need the sodium and potassium. A lot of the things to, that people don't understand is it can help cramping. But one of the cool things that I learned during anatomy and physiology during the, just those classes I took was an excess in it can cause it to. So being, not having, we talk about having that normal amount. Being low can cause a problem and being high can cause problems too between muscle contraction. So both staying in that kind of that 
we talk about that normal amount or that normal daily dosage is very important to stay consistently because then you can get rid of those issues. Yeah, pretty much why potassium was dangerous at higher levels. And then one thing I wanted to add in quick, like anyone that follows bodybuilding, there's been cases over the years of bodybuilding where people die directly because of diuretics. And that issue, their heart stopping, is because it depletes all the minerals in their body. So that's the big issue with like pharmaceutical grade diuretics is it's getting rid of all your minerals and literally your heart can stop yeah. without proper minerals. And so go into, so sit, talk about what's for just the people who might not know, diet, like a diuretic. When you say diuretic, what is that doing? It's obviously a supplement you can take. It's you know something you can take for your system, but what does that do? It basically tells your body to excrete water, minerals. So there's some that will be uh, certain mineral sparing. So they found compounds that will just flush out certain minerals and not others. Like there's potassium sparing ones, which is probably, if you ever have any silly idea to take one, probably make sure it's a potassium sparing one, um, just so your heart pumps. Yeah, definitely. For the rest of the day. <laughs> so we just sat down, we talked about how sodium helps pull that water into your system. So a diuretic takes it out, like literally flushes it all out. Yep. So it's like very dehydrated in your body, correct? Exactly. One thing that uh, I have recommended plenty of times for <coughs> women, especially when they're on their cycle, that time of the month, dandelion root is a natural herb that is a very slight diuretic. So it can help them with a lot of their bloating that they run into during that time, that time of the month. They get bloating, water retention. Something as simple as um, dandelion root extract, which is just a natural herb, can be the way to go. Ooh, cracking open that kill cliff. Oh yeah, getting the kill cliff in. Those are the way to go. I like they have the proteolytic enzymes in there, so it breaks down undigested proteins. It can help with joint health a lot. It's a pretty amazing drink. Like overall, 20 calories per can, so it's like super low calorie. It tastes amazing, but I mean, the benefits for recovery and a little bit of caffeine, it's like perfect, especially right now, late in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I ran out of mine. I was going to try to buy the other one off you. You can take it, dude. Yeah, you can go ahead, blood orange if you want it. Dude, you can go for it. I think that's my favorite flavor from them. I'm huge on the lemon lime. And oh my glutes. Glutes are killing right glutes. now, dude. Glutes. You guys gotta go like and subscribe so we can buy better chairs for this podcast. That's gonna, exactly right. We're gonna be here for two, three hours helping you guys out. We need some shares and follows. We're gonna get this film going. I wish you guys could have seen that. TJ was shaking on his way down. No lie. He was shaking <laughs> on the way down, sitting back in his chair. So, pretty funny stuff. But yeah. Um, as far as let's talk about training this next week I think we kind of wrapped up what we really wanted to talk about in the minerals like we said if you want to go research at Oregon State uh, edu.edu has so we'll put the links in the show notes is the best yep. way to do it yep so we'll we'll figure out how to do it obviously we're newer <laughs> at the technical side of things we have all the information that we can help and offer you but there's definitely going to be some technical sides of this so obviously to help us to keep giving you guys all this good information, go ahead and like on whatever podcast thing you listen to. Um, subscribe. That way you get notifications each time we put up a podcast. It looks like it's going to be Sunday evening. We're going to have a new podcast up every single week for you guys. So come Monday morning, you'll have something good to listen to. Um, always feel free to go on any of the social medias 
and leave us comments of topics you want us to discuss. And if you have something that you want us to talk about and you don't want to leave a comment or you want us to hit on it, whether it may be a sensitive subject or you just might be – maybe social media isn't your thing, um, go head on podcast – sorry, head on collision podcast at gmail.com is our email. Shoot us an email if you want us to talk about anything. Um, like I said, whether it be sensitive stuff that you don't want to post about, whether you don't use social media, whether you just want to reach us by email, if that's best for you, shoot, or anything you want us just to answer back to you without being on the podcast, shoot us that. And that gives us a good idea how, how, about how we're doing too. Like we obviously need the feedback. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. But yeah, go ahead, like all our stuff. Uh, Head on Collision uh, podcast is normally what we have everything branded under right now. So that'll be basically you can go find us on uh, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook for the time being, um, and wherever you're listening to it, shoot us reviews. Uh, let us know what you think. This the, obviously episode number two or three here now yep, is, is with a new mic. It's gonna be amazing. Um, we're excited. Um, hopefully everybody does like the new mic coming that we got going on here. But um, yeah, what a I guess uh, before we finish it off, training this week. What, what we're gonna try to get in as much as we can together for sure but um i guess what what's the biggest thing you want to work on <clears throat> uh, this week i can't wait to get after back again because like you know but the listeners might not uh, when i moved here i went through some rehab stuff for my knees so i was down um about 25 pounds of muscle tissue after i moved here during things i was rehabbing for my knees which we'll also talk about i have a lot of re- rehab protocol stuff for soft tissues for joints all kinds of stuff that we'll dig into in another podcast um enzymes like in these kill cliffs is actually a big one that's overlooked people like it's very rare that people understand um what enzymes actually play a role in uh digesting proteins and undigested proteins can calcifying joints and cause a lot of stiffness yeah pain so that's something else we'll touch on but yeah we're just gonna Get after training, probably back. I want to get my weight back up to that 255, 260 point before I start picking out a show. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, like a, I think, a big goal for me right now, I think. I did not weigh in this morning. I was uh, we were, I was getting up, getting going here. I weigh every morning when I wake up, but I did not get a weigh in this morning. So I haven't seen what I was at um, yet uh, as, of, as of this morning. But yesterday... I hit that 264. Obviously, we're both pretty transparent, so I'm going to let everybody know. <laughs> but 264 was where I'm at. Um, obviously, I hit a point uh, back when I was at my lowest after my huge weight loss. I was at around that 223, I think was what, what it was. And I was it was a very, it was really lean. I loved my physique then. Like, it was really nice to have. Um, so that's kind of what I'm working around right now, especially once I hit that 230 will be when I can really, like, dial in and decide what I'm going to do with it. So... That'll be what I'm working for in this next three, six, thirty-six months. Is getting down, you know, the the uh, thirty-five pounds ish. Um, with the diet that I've got going, I'm right. I'm literally breaking into the best part of the diet where you get everything down perfectly, and this is when the weight starts to shed off. Like after you go month, two months in with this diet that I'm doing, the carb cycling literally is going to help a ton. So I'm going to hit that, try to hit that 230. It's kind of what my biggest goal is right now, weight-wise, and try to maintain as much lean muscle mass as I can. Obviously, these hard workouts 
are going extremely well. But I'd say uh, for the most part, one of the biggest things that I do want to develop, like I've told you forever, shoulders are big. And like, that's just because when I was younger, I neglected those rear, rear delts. And I think a lot of people do. I just think a lot of people do. So I've been like training those like crazy these, this last year and it has gone a long way. It really has. Like, Have you tried that frequency training thing I put you on? Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. That's probably what I'm most excited for is I'm going to, starting, uh, what, tomorrow? I'm going to, on Monday, he, you know, TJ set me up on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule to just torch my shoulders. So I'm going to hit that up starting on Monday and, uh, you know, help develop those shoulders big time. That's probably what I'm most excited about this week is actually to start that off and kind of go from there. So um, I guess we'll let everybody know how that how that went next week. <laughs> That's awesome. As we're talking about this, I just got a great idea. Yeah. So on our social media, our Instagram, we're going to publish both of our goals. So I want to get my weight back up. So I'm about 241 right now. Mm-hmm. Probably back down to that 8-ish percent body fat, which obviously not great. I'm used to a different physique. Exactly. But um, we'll, we can post our goal, like take some pictures and maybe let people follow along and then if they want to join in just use the hashtag head on collision podcast and post anything that they're doing so we can see it so if they set a goal in the next uh, four months six months or four weeks six weeks something like that where they uh, post it and tag us in their post so we can see kind of what their goal is and maybe if we can address anything that will help them specifically that would be awesome. Yeah, and a great way to wrap this up too is uh, that's this is the main reason why we're doing this for everyone who's listening is we care about helping people and we like if we didn't go through a crazy process our own selves, we we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking about it. But the truth is, like especially for myself and TJ's huge on it too. Like I understand how hard everything could get. Especially we were talking about it last night. Like that's what I represent. Is I know how hard it is. I know you know if you feel bad about where you're at right now in life or. You know, whether it be in life, whether it be just with your weight, wherever you may be, um, I've been there. TJ has been there. Like we, we know how it feels when you're super down, and we know how well it feels when you can get to that point to where you're happy with your body and your physique and just at least that part of your life. So um, that's why we're doing this. Is we want to help people. So the more engagement we can get for people that want to like launch in with us and join, do stuff with our goals, obviously you're going to complete it a lot better is if you have a group setting there and if you have accountability. And with us, the accountability is going to be the podcast. I mean, with between me and you, but then also <clears throat> for everyone else listening, like we'll have a big post on some details and what we want to do in the future too. But, um, you know, one of the things that I'd like to start incorporating is if we have, you know, a couple people that are starting with us, like, you know, Hey, I want, I'm starting. I'd like to do this we're going to shout you out on the podcast if, if you would like um give you give them a heads up and say you know hey we just got so and so and they're going to start um and they're going to do well they're going to you know and just give them advice and just a little bit of stuff but we're going to talk about it because that's what we like to do and um get you involved too so that's why we do this we want to help you and we want to you know give you the best results you can so whatever it may be um this is why we do it so give you information and give you some help so um, but for the most part, yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited with where this baby's going. Um, I can't wait. Uh, it's, it's every week is getting to be a, an excitement. Saturday nights are, in this case, what might turn into Sunday mornings for for doing our podcast. Um, works out really, really well. So yeah, we're gonna. This is working out great. And like I said, me and TJ are both. I mean, I'm thrilled. I mean, you've got to be too. <laughs> yes. You heard last night from our conversation. Uh, after getting all the stuff set up, like really getting things locked down, having a new 
Mike, this is going to be huge. I was trying to listen to our first couple podcasts. It was good bits and pieces in there. Absolutely could not stand the audio quality. Yeah. So this is the first podcast with the new mic. I feel like the morning went really well for me and you. I feel like we flow a lot better. Um, I sounded less than intelligent in the first couple podcasts <laughs> trying to speak, but that was, we recorded it late. We've already trained. We've, like, those were at the end of long days. So I like this idea of in the morning, got a new mic, the quality of everything is going to go way up. I'm just excited what we're doing here. Like you said, any questions uh, can go to the Head on Collision podcast at Gmail for anybody that has questions. Shout anybody, us. anything, like any, literally anybody, anything, students question. We'll yep. be happy to cover it, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah. Obviously, we won't have all answers, but if we don't have the answer, we'll tell you. We have resources to find them. We have a lot, a lot of people too. A lot of people who know, like, what uh, we're not well versed on. We know a lot of people who are well versed in that subject, no matter where it may be, and we're not afraid to go and look for people too. So yep. we plan to bring people on as well. Um, I'm trying. I'm still trying to lock down one on CBD oil for information. Um, we're going to do a lot of general health things. Uh, we're going to potentially do that hunting one that you talked about because yes that'll be a huge one we're going to do kind of be off the wall kind of different from what we're used to but that'll be something huge and i have a i have a couple of people too if anybody you know if anybody is whether it may be hunting or whatever it may be a lot of people that big social media people that would be happy to come on and do a little podcast with us whether it be on the phone i have a couple that could come in person too from the omaha lincoln area and we're gonna do a little bit on that, and that'll be that'll be great. So I'm I'm excited for that one big time. <laughs> I know you are. And the cool thing is, like, with this brand Head On Collision, we're taking on the what would you call them? Common misbeliefs or common uh, view, like conflicting yeah. views. Yeah. So I don't want to call it controversy by any means, because I don't want to cause controversy on this by any means. But kind of like we talked about today with like blood pressure and sodium, like Head On Collision, that's like what we want to do. But yeah, any kind of any kind of like misconceptions people have on anything anything that we can take on whether it may be uh you know uh, me versus tj whether it be me me and tj versus some this versus some type of thinking like the blood pressure thing today or whether it be like you know me and tj versus our guests like we're gonna we're gonna keep it exciting and keep it you know banter back and forth with each other and whether it may be but um yeah, that's what that's why we have head on collision. We're gonna take it, everything we take on. It's, it's gonna be literally we take everything on head on, and uh, kind of go from there. But yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a big one. That'll be really nice, and it'll, it'll fit kind of what we're doing with the podcast. So yep, that's awesome. And basically, the last part I want to add in is just yeah, we're just gonna take on the common beliefs, common misconceptions. We're gonna uh, if nothing else, like people can be right. They could help us understand their view of things. But the best thing. Iron sharpens iron. You've got to challenge each other. So, like, we're going to challenge each other's way of thinking and make us go deep on why we believe certain things. And just like when we have guests on, we're going to kind of dig and pry. If nothing else, we can admit at the end of the day, like, more information is going to come from it than not. Like, just being cheap, blindly following a certain belief, like, that's not going to help anybody. We want to challenge each other and make each other improve get more information out there to help every one of you. I'm excited. We got some stuff to do after this, so I think it's time to wrap it up. But I'm already excited for next week's episode. Oh, yeah. We haven't no, even ended this one. Yep, that's exactly right. No, we're going to get 
good topic down. But yeah, let's, that'll be it for basically for today's podcast. Uh, like we said, any questions, shoot us an email. We've said it a million times. Um, like us, follow us, whatever it may be that you want to do. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's about it. Any, any final thoughts there, TJ? Nope. We're out of here. Have a good week, guys.